moment you've all been waiting for. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo. Eight minutes after eight. And thank you so much for staying with us here on AM Live. Now, as indicated yesterday, this week, AM Live will commemorate the 40th anniversary of the June 16 uprisings of 1976. And we salute the more than 15,000 students who gathered at um, Soweto and across the country at other points as well, um, uh, where they had intended to embark on a peaceful march against the use of Afrikaans as a medium of instruction. But we all know how it eventually turned out. So this week, we not only recall that fateful day and the days after that, but we also recount what has changed in the country over the last 40 years. And I was speaking to our guest, uh, Mr. Fanyanya Mazibugo, who's a retired science teacher from Morris Isaacson High, about, you know, June 16th and what it means. And he raises a very important issue of not only looking at the achievements, but also the mistakes that were made and what can be learned from all of this. But our focus this morning is, of course, on the teachers, because all of this didn't just happen in a vacuum where they were just learners who decided, you know, we're going to get together and we're going to embark on this peaceful protest. There were teachers in the background and we want to know exactly where they were when all of this was unfolding and what role the teachers played, because that often is one of the um, sides of the story that we tend to neglect. So uh, please help me in welcoming uh, Mr. Fanyana Mazibugo, who's a retired science teacher uh, at the Morris Isaacson High School. Mr. Mazibuko, thank you so much for your time and for coming through this morning. It's a pleasure and good morning to your listeners. Now, first off, when, when we talk about um, June 16th, 1976 and the aftermath thereof, again, the focus, and I suppose rightly so, has been on the learners because they were the ones who actually went out onto the streets and people were looking at what they were doing at the time. But what we don't talk much about is the teachers and the role that teachers played in what actually transpired during that period. So you were a teacher at Morris Isaacson High at the time, a physical science teacher. But if I can just start you off at the point, um, in the days leading up to June the 16th, 1976, where were you as a teacher and your colleagues, and what did you know about what was about to happen? Most people think that teachers did nothing in the struggle. The participation of teachers doesn't date just immediately before June 16. As far, far back as the 1950s and 60s, in the East Rand then and the Eastern Cape, Teachers participated in protests against Bantu education, and many of them were arrested and many of them were banned from teaching. I'm thinking of the Zikmpateles and uh, Mataris and uh, the, 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 for, uh, the late president of the Pan-Africanist Congress. Um, just before uh, June 16, 1976, Teachers were also in some quiet way involved with students. I remember in my school, there was an atmosphere of political involvement. For example, the principal had employed a man like Unghopoze Abram Tiro, who was a uh, real uh, serious activist at the time after the, uh, his expulsion from Terflup. 
and um, the interaction between students and teachers was quite powerful. I must confess that the June 16 incident took a lot of teachers by surprise. But shortly after that, teachers became engaged with the students and in support of the students. By this, I remember the participation of teachers in the Teachers' Action Committee, which was led by Mr. Matabate and Mr. Curtis Ngondo as chairperson and deputy chairperson. I was secretary of the Teachers' Action Committee at the time. And the support that the teachers gave the students was of this kind, that the teachers wanted schooling to grind to a halt for a, a time so that the parents and the government could then be shaken into a serious dialogue. Instead of that happening, most of the teachers who participated or who led the Teachers' Action Committee were arrested and banned. So teachers were involved right from the beginning. Mm. By 1977, on October 19, most of the Teachers' Action Committee leaders were detained and banned. And some of them were forced to leave the country. For example, um, Mr. Lucas Ngakane had to leave the country. Likhaoma Tabate, Kati Sinkondo, Fanyana Mazibugo, and others were arrested and kept at Modabi for quite some time. So teachers were involved. And I must point out some things that never came into the public domain. Um, some journalists would um, testify to this that a person like Curtis Nkondo um, ensured the momentum was never lost by making sure that statements were given to the press and uh, interviews were given to the um, uh, radio and, and TV, which provoked government response to ensure that the momentum never flagged. And I believe this was the first time, and the students did the same, I believe this was the first time that the, 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 the power structure was faced with protest that never ended. In the past, there was protest, and there was forceful reaction from the government, and things came to a, a, a lull. But this time, there was protest, and this protest kept on being fed with further momentum, and the government was at a loss. And this moved on and into the 1980s where the, 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 the policy of making the country ungovern, ungovernable mm. was a policy of all activists. All activist organizations adopted that attitude. Trade unionists, students, and other youth formations, they adopted that. And the government, I believe, was totally at a loss. And teachers were not far behind in this. Mr. Mazibugo, I've always <coughs> wondered, you know, having been a teacher during those times where you were basically educating, you know, implementing a system that meant to educate for subjugation. How, you know, how did it feel to be a teacher and, and, and to have to do that? I've always said to people, I believe at Morris Isaacson High School, I never taught Bantu education. I remember when, we arri when I arrived at Morris Isaacson, we did not write the Bantu education examination. 
we were determined that we would write the joint matriculation exam um, uh, that uh, was not controlled by the Bantu Education Department. This we did until we were expelled from teaching. And um, we also defied the dictates of the Bantu Education Department in a number of ways. One, we taught history the way we believed history should be taught. And we employed the teachers that the principal wanted to employ much against the will of the Department of Bantu Education. For example, the employment of Tiro was one example, but there were a number of others mm. um, who later left the country. And um, if you look at the the staff at Maurice Isaacson, especially the young um, teachers then, most of them were activists, and some of them involved in the underground activity of certain organizations. So those teachers were not subserviently beholden to the Bantu Education Department. I remember even when the instruction to teach through the medium of Africans came, it instead of uh, making teachers um, kowtow to what the department wanted, it ignited defiance. The teachers told the principal that, look, we do not want to defy you in person. Call the person responsible for the statement that we should teach in Africans to a meeting at the school so that we can tell him directly we will not teach in Africans. And one inspector was sent and we told him that it is not because we cannot teach through the medium of Africans. Personally, I taught Africans at some stage as a language. I taught Africans but at that time it was a question of principle that we will not teach through the medium of Africans because we are told by Bantu education to do so. And that led to a dead end. Mm. And, and of course at the time there was uh, the regime was you know they had this reign of terror and, and, and people were scared one could uh, say understandably so looking at some of the things that were happening does were there some teachers who were actually scared and opposed to uh, some of the thoughts the thinking processes that others had oh yes most of us were scared even those who were activists it's it would be a lie to say that people were kind of macho um, activists that were not scared at all. We were scared. I remember I had this obsession um, after June 16 that when I left home, I kissed my children goodbye because I did not know whether I would come home because perhaps I would be arrested or even killed. And um, I'm told by, I was told by Katie that, gee, I, used, I, I do the same. It was fear, but it was a question of how you handle the fear. And a lot of teachers were also as scared as we were. It's not as if we were just brave, fearless people. Mm. Who, you know, we, were, we, we, we were afraid. Fear was part, of, part and parcel of the emotion of the time. But the anger and the wish to free ourselves of um, apartheid probably overcame the fear.
And when we take a look back at the leaders of the 76 uprisings, and clearly there was a consciousness that had taken hold, you know, in the minds of those young people. How much did teachers have to do with that? Earlier on, I mentioned that some of the teachers had been members of the um, uh, South African Students' Organization, SASO, and were um, conscientized, as we used to say at the time. And many of them, when they graduated from universities and other institutions, joined the Black People's Convention, which was a black uh, consciousness organization. And incidentally, I was the founding secretary of the Black People's Convention uh, and with Mr. Drake Cocker as uh, uh, president. Um, that membership of those organizations ensured that teachers were in a way passing on the conscientization to their students. I remember things like books being passed on to students was a common thing. I remember with uh, people like Don Matera, Dumagandlovu, and others, we actually established um, the, what was earlier on called uh, the Azanian Poets and Writers Association, which collected books, relevant books, to distribute to young people. And we used to hold readings at Morris Isaacson High School. And um, by the time June 16 came, that movement was uh, very strong. And um, because it became apparent that it was not only the black consciousness philosophy which was in action here, there were other underground uh, formations that were in, 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 in action. The name changed to Midupi Writers Association. That association collected books which were distributed to young people, books which made them conscious of the need to liberate themselves, first liberating their minds by reading and getting themselves educated on their condition, their history, and what was possible to achieve. So were you surprised when uh, June 16, 76 happened? Um, let me put it this way. I was surprised by the detail. But the greater movement towards that didn't surprise me. The detail, in fact, became revealed very much close to the action. The day before, uh, June 16, there was a short article in the then Ren Daily Mail, which indicated that students would be marching and um, presenting a memorandum to the Department of Bantu Education. We became aware that something was afoot, but we didn't know about the details. Uh, those students at the time were quite secretive, mm. except that on the same day, some three students walked into the principal's office at Morris Isaacson and asked, Sam, do you think our march is a wise move? The principal answered in Sipedi and said, if you think the grass is dry and the wind is blowing in the right direction, go out and bend the grass. Which meant, if you think it is the right moment to do that, go and do it. The next morning, we conducted assembly in the usual way, not knowing exactly what the plans of the students were. Immediately after reciting the Lord's Prayer, Tsietsi Mashinini climbed onto the, the stoop which acted as a stage and requested very politely that he be allowed to speak to the students.
And uh, instead of speaking to the students, he raised his fists, shouting Amandla, and uh, sang Spamandla and walked off the stage with the students, meeting students who had already come from Naledi High School and others uh, beyond the railway line. And uh, that's when we began to realize what was happening, that what was announced in the press was, in fact, something much, much bigger. And a few hours later, I realized that students had been shot around Orlando West. And I tried to rush to that venue, but um, it was so chaotic. I couldn't reach the, the, mm. the, the, the area. But we're going to come back to that in just a moment because I just want to ask you, talk about the students being very secretive, um, you know, about their plans and preparations in the lead up to that day. One of the reasons um, they have actually uh, posited was that they feared that their parents would try to stop them um, if they got hold of what the plan was. Do you think that teachers would probably have tried to do the same, try to stop them from doing what they wanted to do? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. There were teachers who would have actually tried to stop the the students. Um, I remember a friend whose son um, was going to join a march after the June 16 incidents. And my friend, who was a teacher, tried to stop him. And the son asked him, whose son do you think must get killed if you think I shouldn't get killed? And uh, he realized that... uh, Probably we have to let go. And there were parents who would come to school and uh, blame teachers for allowing this to happen, not realizing that the teachers had no control on the course of events. However, I must say that there was a small number of teachers who, as the events unfolded, became part and parcel of the advice and thinking that followed. For example, I remember when there was an almost clash between students and taxi drivers. Tsietsi Machinini organized a meeting which took place in Dube at uh, Mr. Joe Malau's place, and the, uh, and the principal of Morris Isaacson mediated between the taxi drivers and the students, and we averted what could have been a very ugly uh, consequence of that conflict. So teachers were in a way involved, not probably overtly, mm. yeah, but they were involved. So here comes the day assembly, Tsietsi Mashinini gets onto the podium, uh, you know, leads the, uh, the students off. What do the teachers do then? Most teachers were stunned into silence and immobility. Teachers stood in little groups asking each other, what is happening? And obviously they say, oh, you saw yesterday in the newspaper, this is what was going to happen and so on. But beyond that, most teachers did not know what was going to happen. And as I said, I tried to move along the column of students to find out what was happening, but I... My initial attempt told me that everything was fine. But when I heard for the radio that there's been some shooting, I realized that things would become very serious. And again, what do teachers do at that point when they realize, you know, things have turned ugly now and something else is happening? 
Um, some teachers just hung around the schools, but I remember I had to use my car, which was a Volkswagen, to ferry students who were injured to certain doctors I trusted. And um, these students were attended to. And I think the principal's car did exactly the same because later on, when we met, his car was full of blood, and which means he had been ferrying students. Mm. And this went on even after the actual June 16, that, um, where students were shot and um, uh, there was fear that they might be arrested. They were taken by car to, I think, Dr. Asphalt and Dr. George Vaux, and I think there may, be, there may have been others. And uh, just looking back at the role that teachers played in uh, the June 1976 student uprisings, because a story that very often is not told, where were the teachers? What were the teachers doing at a time when Soweto and other townships subsequently were going up in flames because students had had enough? Let me just read some of the uh, messages coming through. Nkululego Somata says, uh, thank you for hosting uh, Mr. Fanyana Mazibugo. Explodes the myth that teachers and parents um, had ditched the struggle. Sipo Mengle says, thanks SK for hosting Mr. Mazibuga. I had a different perception about teachers uh, who taught during the apartheid era. And then at Martin Duda says, uh, didn't know that so many teachers were actually contributing uh, so much to the struggle through the students. And Hazel says, power to the teachers of 76. SK, the interview is very rich this morning. Sane Sihia says, enjoying listening to the former teacher. Indeed, they had to be synergy between teachers and the student. Hashtag black consciousness. And we'll continue talking about this uh, because the role of teachers is very important. Um, there was uh, uh, some testimony that happened at the TRC about what had happened. And we'll talk a little about that. Mr. Mazibuga, one of those who testified at the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. And of course, we'll also take your calls on 891 uh, Our SMS line number, that is back working. So 34701. You can also tweet or Facebook us at AM Live on SAFM using the hashtag AM Live. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live, turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them. Thank you so much for tuning into the Forum at 8 and continuing with our focus on uh, the 40th anniversary of the June 16, 1976 uprisings. And uh, this morning we are looking at the role that teachers played because uh, very often we don't really think about where were they what were they doing and Mr. Fanyana Mazibugo who's a retired uh, physical science teacher from Morris Isaacson High sharing his experiences his memories from what happened not just on that day but prior to that the role the teachers played um, over the years and also what happened after uh, that particular day so the lines are open 891 you can also tweet or Facebook us at AM Live on SAFM. Please use the hashtag AM Live. And uh, you can send us your SMSs to the number 34701. And uh, Mr. Mazibuko will come back uh, to continue the story, but we do have uh, some people calling in at the moment. So let's just take a few of those calls 0891 And we have with us on the line uh, Dr. Bridget Mthongo, who's calling us, uh, uh, rather, Dr. Bright Mthongo, calling us from Durban. Uh, Dr. Mthongo. Good morning. Good morning, ma'am. How are you? I'm well, thanks. And you? All, all good, ma'am. Thank you for, for hosting uh, Mr. Fangana Mazibugo. 
taught me he paid for my university fees when he was at Tiasa. I've got great respect for him and uh, the work they've done with the 1976 class teachers. Uh, I did not get taught by him as in class, but uh, he paid for my fees and he continues to make a difference in people's lives beyond the classroom. So, uh, you know, on behalf of all of us who benefited from his leadership and, and his generosity, I uh, would really like to say thank you and uh, may the teachers of today take a leaf out of his book and uh, teach progressive education in the current education uh, crisis we have. Bright, it makes everything that one has done in his life worth it to hear from people like you and the whole host. I think it's about 1,500 of you that have gone through that program. I am very happy to hear of you. Dr. Brighton Plongo, thanks so much for sharing that with us. 1,500 students will come back to talk more about that. Temba Ematateni, good morning. I would like to know what he, what is it not that students and teachers are lacking if they could maximize to their, if, if they could utilize it to the maximum level, could take this country forward. Two, each generation is a product of its own era. What is it that the nowadays youth could do and make it to identify itself? in moving this country forward. Lastly, we thank God that you have the line well as Mandazulu called when one get in a school in Manzino Thank you. Thank you so much, Timba. Um to answer your questions, um there is always a possibility of collaboration. I know there's always an intergenerational conflict at all times. But this is my view on that intergenerational conflict. It is the force that makes us move forward in this way. The tension between the old and the new can be destructive, but it can also be creative. It can be creative if there is communication between the old and the young. But it can be destructive if the old and the young talk past each other. First, before I move on, I want to make this confession that as time went on, the adult world abdicated its responsibility of insisting on this communication between the young and the old. Mm. The creative tension that exists between the new ideas and the old ideas helps, helps us sift ideas from the old people, there are ideas sometimes which um, hinder progress. And the old people are challenged by the young to justify retention of those ideas. Mm. There are some ideas which are excellent. They have withstood the test of time. But all the time we have to justify, we have to defend them. But there are ideas that have outrun their usefulness or outlive their usefulness. And when the young people challenge us, we are forced to look at them again and say, oh, I think this can, we can mm. let this go. But then the young people, on the other hand, sometimes try to push 
the boundaries of what is acceptable, the boundaries of what is useful. And we, the adult, have the responsibility, the parental and uh, educational responsibility of challenging the young people, not saying no, but challenging them to justify why they want certain ideas to be advanced. How do you go about challenging those ideas? Because uh, there there does seem to be um, a bit of conflict in terms of how the young and the older generation relate to one another. This is what I referred to when I said sometimes we talk past each other. In the classroom, in church, in public platforms, everywhere, we talk past each other. We do not challenge each other directly. We do not say, in class, we believe this is what should happen. And we do not, as adults, respond by saying, we believe this is what should happen because of A, B, C, D. We tend to say, no way are we going to allow that. And that is a negative way of communicating. And also, um, I said adults abdicated the responsibility of leading society. In fact, that is how it should be. Adults should lead society. Young people would always be pushing the, 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 the boundaries of what is acceptable. That, that, is, that is normal. That is natural. But adults should lead and adults should guide. And we have not been doing that. And we can do that in a whole lot of platforms, in the classroom, in the church, in the community. I remember, for example, um, around the late 70s, 80s, we used to have what we, what we call the Bigolutuli, uh, I forget the third name, um, uh, platform for putting ideas across. We would meet at uh, places like Funda Center and uh, other uh, venues where we would discuss with the young people various ideas in society. For example, a simple idea like what is the family? What are parents' uh, responsibilities in the family? What are the uh, responsibilities and rights of children in the family and things like that? We discussed those. A lot of um, uh, black academics discussed this with us. We had Zikim Patela, I remember. We had Neville Alexander. We had a whole lot of people coming to those fora in order to discuss issues and there was intergenerational communication there because mm. the, the invitation went out to all and sundry. I remember Zikim Patele used to have very serious discussions at Funda Center on philosophies uh, relating to certain issues. And that helped young people to stand back and think intellectually and not emotionally all the time. And that, I think, helped young people to be more analytical because young people can be very, very intelligent and clever. But sometimes that great intelligence is derailed by the lack of experience of certain mistakes that we as adults have made and are aware that these lines of action might look attractive and interesting, but they can be disastrous. Mm. As, an, as an adult, you ought to have gathered that kind of, of, of experience. 
It's not all the time uh, we have achieved this, we have achieved that. It is a question of we have tried that and failed. We have tried that and failed. Therefore, we have to avoid A, B, C, D. There are some things we just have to avoid because experience tells us they do not work. Experience tells us they lead to, 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 to disaster. Take, for example, uh, protest these days tends to be more emotional than analytical. People burn schools, burn laboratories, they, they burn all sorts of, 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 of things that are useful to the community. But we have not analyzed why at this moment it is wrong, totally wrong, and I can never, never, ever support that kind of behavior. Perhaps in the past it happened to some extent, but at the moment, think, one, these things belong to you, the student, your parents, the general community. You own them. You own those schools. Mm. Somebody has to pay them, and the person to pay them pay for them is your father and your mother, your uncle, yourself, when you get out of school and pay taxes. And you vote for the things that have to happen to those schools. And when they are destroyed, you have to pay for them. You might say, I don't take a, a cent out of my pocket, but you ultimately are the one who pays for them. But that is nothing. The, the, the rents and cents are nothing. The, 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 the damage done to those who are in the schools, who have to miss out on education, those who are at university, whose science education has to be second grade because you bend an important laboratory, that is the serious price. And if we are allowed to communicate more sensibly than emotionally, then we will be able to deal with these things in a manner that makes Protest legitimate, but protest rational. And that's a very <clears throat> profound point, um, because just listening to what you were talking about earlier, how, um, you know, the, the, the lines of communication were by and large open when these meetings were held. Young people were a part of it. They were seen as an integral part and therefore they were heard. Their voices were not drowned out. And today, when you speak to young people, they feel like, they are not being heard. They feel like everybody speaks on their behalf. Um, everybody takes decisions on their behalf without consulting them, and um, which in some instances is used as justification uh, for the sort of frustration that eventually spills over. The important thing, I think, in the communication uh, intergenerationally is to accept certain um, conditions which exist in the communication. You have leadership of society, which by and large comes from the older generation, the over 35s, the over 40s. And there's a good reason for, for that. We assume there is um, maturity, but it's not always like that. <laughs> and we have the young people who can be part of that dialogue and leadership because there isn't a clear-cut line between what you can say, a mature young people and an immature young person. 
they they flow into their maturity, uh, their maturity. And as I said, that intergenerational conflict, which is necessary, produces well-distilled ideas. The teachers of 1976, Mr. Fanyana Mazibugo, he was a, um, a physical science teacher at Morris Isaacson during the time of the 1976 Soweto, June 16th Soweto uprisings. And of course, we, we, we've always called them Soweto uprisings, but as we indicated yesterday, this spread throughout the country, various centers throughout the country, and we should not forget that as well. But the lines are open, 891 Any questions for Mr. Fanyana Mazibugo, uh, you're welcome to posit those. Uh, Temba in Port Elizabeth, good morning. Good morning, SK. Good morning to you and, 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 the, and the teacher there. Look, uh, let's celebrate, Sakina, the, the fact that you've taken opportunity or time to bring to the fore the role played by teachers during 76. And I want to stretch it uh, to, uh, to early 80s, uh, 19, uh, late 80s and early 90s, that teachers were there and teachers played a pivotal role in the, uh, in the student movement. We, we were then seen as leaders, but during the day we were seen as leaders, but during the night we were sitting with these teachers, and these teachers sharpening our revolutionary understanding and tactics to take during the day and also actions. I, I want to recall, Sakina, the teachers by their names. And that being the MEC in the Eastern Cape. These were the teachers who played the role uh, that was not seen during the day. During the day, they were normal teachers. But after school, they have taken time to call us in their rooms, in their houses, and sharpen our understanding of the role that we are to play in taking forward the novels that we read at the time. Ubulumko Bezinja. And the other one was Vem in Afrikaans. Ubulumko Bezinja was, was, was a novel that uh, the characters were Mandela's, were Sisulu's, were Oliver Tambo's, were Chris Anis. You know, so we understood Umzabalazo right at the early stages of our lives because teachers took time to, you know, to educate us and politicize us. All them, as an African novel, we understood that novel very clearly because it was part of the protest of the young students in schools. So teachers played the role, and today I'm happy that we're celebrating. My name then, Sakina, was Sam. I'm not going to give you my surname. I hope they will recognize the voice. Thank you very much, SK. Thank you so much, uh, Temba. And uh, so you calling us from Peter Maritzburg. Good morning. Good morning, Sakina and Mr. Mazibugo. Uh, I'm Sibusiso. I just want to pass my gratitude here yeah, uh, of the shows you are having. Uh, we, the youth here in Peter Maritzburg, in a church, we've taken a stand to learn more about what happened in June 16, 1976. We are trying to remove the stigma that on June 16, we must celebrate through prize and some youth drinking. As a result, we are researching more and more about its leaders and how the June 16 came about so that we are more informed and make relations of the youth of today to what happened in June 16, 1976. So I would like to say thank you so much for your show. They are highly useful. 
Thank you so much, Spusiso, in Peter Maritzburg. And it really is, you know, heartwarming to know that people are appreciating um, what we are doing this week in bringing the story of 76 to the fore. Um, although some may not see the value in it, most actually do. Let me just read a few more messages before I get your response, Mr. Mazibugo. Tsepiso uh, Suenyane says, may we take a leaf out of this interview? Protests are legitimate, but uh, they should not be destructive. Uh, Major General says, I could listen to Mr. Mazibugo for the entire day. Very profound and constructive words coming from him. Uh, Melintaba says, no generation will transcend the fearlessness of that generation. And uh, T. Uh, Matluchana says, great interview with Mr. Mazibugo, a great teacher, a great storyteller, clear and eloquent, a great leader and a nice radio voice too. I totally agree. Uh, Tsepo Mahali says, can you please ask Mr. Mazibugo what should be the solution in solving the impasse vis-a-vis what's going on in Vuani at the moment? In response to that question, I refer back to what I said earlier that we have abdicated our responsibility. I would have expected just as it happened in the 70s and 80s where there was the National Education Committee that responded to crisis. There was the Parents' um, Committee which responded to crisis at universities. These days, one is struck by the silence from the parents, silence from the communities. We do not rally around those that are wounded. I mean, wounded in spirit, Mm. psychologically, and so on, because the people in Buwani are wounded. In my family, there is a saying that there is no soldier that is left in the battlefield. That is, as we move on, if there's a soldier who falls, one more last week, pick him up and lift him up. And we who are in areas not yet affected by these protests, we should be rallying around the people at Boan. We should be there to say, what is it that we can do for you? Those committees in the past did exactly that. Something happened in the Eastern Cape. These committees rallied around. Something happened at uh, the University of the North. The Black Parents um, uh, Committee was there. We don't see that now. What has happened to us is unbelievable. We have perhaps uh, been overwhelmed by the pace of things. We have been overwhelmed by perhaps things that we did not expect to happen, having happened. We expected that post-1994, things will be such that our liberation will mean the opportunity to be responsible. To me, that's what liberation is. Mm. It means the opportunity to be responsible. The opportunity to make mistakes but correct them. But we have become, I'm I'm, I'm even hesitant to say this, we have become uh, like hogs at the feeding trough, climbing on one another to feed. 
very sad. We are not considering those who are not fortunate enough to have reached the feeding trough. We are uh, um, displacing and kicking one another from the feeding trough. In Zulu they say, We are eager to grasp things, but also eager to push away those who might threaten what we, we have. To me, liberation means creating wealth and looking around and say, how can it be dis, um, distributed in such a way that we become a progressive society? We ought to be going to Buwani to do exactly that. If the people in Buwani have committed mistakes, they are our fallen soldiers. Let's pick them up. Let's demonstrate how some of the things that are justified have turned against them in the way in which they've been expressed. People in Muane, I am certain, do have some legitimate concerns. But the way that some, not all the people in Buwani, mm. have done these things, some people in Buwani have gone in a direction that is definitely not to the interest of the people in Buwani. Burning schools, for example. And uh, th that's the response to that. And yeah, we are learning this morning. This one from uh, Vui Feb says, I hope uh, my ANC is listening because to us, these are our heroes, not those busy occupying Pali. 1976 was the year. June 16th was the day. Spiwet Wandlela says, how do we bring back the concepts of funda centers and the likes? I believe the doors are not shut. The doors to the minds of the people who were there are not shut. But the problem is those who were there of my age are dying very fast. Yesterday I was speaking to a colleague who spent some time on Robin Island and he's ill right now. He was saying, I'm phoning you guys because I may go. And uh, when you have gone past the mid-70s, that is a reality that we have to think about. Now, my advice is for you as journalists and uh, people involved in the media to record all these things properly, to produce documentaries that tell the story in its um, uh, sequence and that also tells the story in its ideas. Because there is a sequence of events that must be told. But mm. there's also the, the ideas in the story that must come out, that people must know about, that certain ideas were advanced. That a man called Neville Alexander said, uh, we mustn't take democracy in the way of democraziness. What did he mean by that? He said sometimes we get drunk from being free and we do the wrong things with our freedom instead of taking our freedom as a chance to show how responsible we are. Taking our freedom to show how we care about others, not only ourselves. 
And these were the teachers of that generation that took to the streets in 76. Let me read a few more messages, Mr. Mazibugo. Uh, Mamelo Tinyane says, SK, the articulation of the intergenerational tension, the dependency and political creativity by Mr. Mazibugo, simply brilliant. Uh, Professor Tinyiko Maluleka also writes, says, the intergenerational conflict is the force that moves society forward. Quoting you, well said, Mr. Mazibugo. And uh, Tsepo says, Mr. Mazibugo, Google has nailed it. Intergenerational conflict has been there from time immemorial. The solution to all of this is communication. From the SMS line, Sabelo says, thank you for a highly informative discussion. Teachers are still playing their role to fight the struggle of drugs and gangsterism, but more importantly, of educating our youth. We salute them for their contribution and daily sacrifices. Bill in Durban says, the children of today are far too spoiled with no backbone and looking to tomorrow uh, and respect has gone out of the window. Jane says, great interview with uh, Mr. Fanyana Mazibugo. Thank you. And this one says, can Mr. Mazibugo say a bit more about the partnerships between the teachers, the parents and students before 1976? And did they work together at all? I tell you what. We can't answer that, but of course, all of this week, uh, we'll be having various discussions. So I'll actually make a note of that question and hold it over. But thank you so much all the same for tuning in. And um, thank you so much, Mr. Mazibugo, for giving us uh, some of your time. And I I, I feel now, you know, like I know uh, what it was like being in a classroom in 76 um, in your physical science lab. Thank you. It's a great pleasure to have been here with you. And it's a great pleasure to have uh, interacted with your listeners the way uh, we have. I am really humbled by some of the uh, emails and, 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 and other responses from them. Thank you very much. And uh, that was Mr. Fanyana Mazibugo, retired uh, physical science teacher uh, from Morris, Morris Isaacson High School. And he was, of course, at Morris Isaacson on that fateful day when it all started. And that's where we're going to leave it for this morning. As usual, thanks for your great participation in the show. Thanks to the production team for putting it together. And we'll be back tomorrow. Right now, though, it's time for news with Kumbuzile Tabete.